0: The Once and Future Nerd is independently produced. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support us, visit onceandfuturenerd.com support to find out how you can help. Listening to this show on an iOS device? Leave us a rating on iTunes, please.
1: The Once and Future Nerd. Book One, Princes of Jordan. Chapter 8 Evil Untold Episode 3 In a roadside inn near Freehold, three young men sat around a table, entertaining themselves with ale and cards. On each of their robes was the crest of the College of Armstrong guard. So engrossed were they in their own company that they did not notice the girl approach their table. She sat down without invitation. Hi. One of the young men appeared angered by the interruption of their game, but the other two set down their cards to look over their new guest with a good deal of interest.
2: Want to play a game with me and my friends?
1: Do your friends all look like you?
2: They have great personalities.
1: Yeah. So, this my seat? The Armstrong guard boy seemed disappointed at the arrival of Billy and Nelson, and somewhat taken aback by their willingness to sit without invitation.
2: What's the matter? Don't want to make new friends?
1: <laughs> We've got all the friends we need, dear.
2: Shouldn't you be in bed?
1: It's a crime she isn't. Oh, I can't take you anywhere. What are we wagering, in love?
2: Oh, this isn't a betting game. This is a drinking game. Your cup's all full? (laughs) You're gonna drink with us? I am. Drink what?
1: Milk. Jen gave the boy a smile and then plucked the flagon of ale out of his hand. The fuck? Without a moment's hesitation, she put it to her own lips and drank. After a rather impressively short amount of time, she slapped the empty flagon down onto the table. I assure you, homegirl can drink.
0: I've
2: seen it, man.
0: She's been drinking since she was, like,
2: ten.
1: I don't know if you've ever been to the College of Armstrong, God Love. We drink enough to affront the gods.
2: Well, what's the point of drinking if you don't get to do a little something less than holy?
1: The one boy, who was upset at the interruption of his game, rolls his eyes. The other two, however, seemed once more to be interested in their new friend.
2: What's the game? It's a classification game. Should be easy for you college boys. When it's my turn, I draw a card and hold it up to my head so that everyone else can see it and I can't.
1: Jen drew a card from the top of the deck and without looking, held it to her forehead. The card showed the pictogram of a queen.
2: Now, I give a category. You give me things in that category based on my card. If I have a two, you give the worst thing in that category. If I have an ace, you give the best. Then I guess my card. If I'm right, you all drink.
1: If you're wrong...
2: I take a number of drinks equal to the difference between the numerical values of the card I had and the card I guessed. Got it? No. So, I might say diseases you could get, and based on the card I'm holding, you might say...
0: A taste bud disorder that makes spinach taste like pizza bites. I can gain or lose weight by thinking about it hard enough. Doctor, help! There's this lusty
1: barmaid stuck on my lap!
2: (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like a king to me.
1: Jen removed the card from her own head and looked at the front.
2: Wow, you guys have high standards. What would an ace have been?
1: You in my lap? At this, Billy's muscles tensed as if he were preparing for a fight. Below the level of the table, Jen put a hand to his knee to restrain him from striking his new friend unconscious.
2: I was off by one, so I take one drink. (sighs) Who's next?
1: Outside of Guernatal Castle, Antonin Mooncrest was dining in private with his father. Marcus Mooncrest, you'll recall, suffered from a tragic affliction of the mind. He appeared to take a great deal of enjoyment from his bowl of stew. Antonin, ever the dutiful son, wiped the gravy dripping from his father's chin with a silk cloth. Father,
0: I need you to listen to me for a moment.
1: The father looked up from his supper. His eyes sat on his son, but never fully focused their attention on him. Uncle Julius is... He has the cunning
0: needed to rule. Know that your duchy is safe and your people will prosper under him.
1: At the compliment to his brother, Marcus's face split into a proud smile. I have learned much from him.
0: But I have also learned much from you. Compassion, most of all. Sadly, sometimes a a good ruler and a compassionate man cannot act in the same way. And I fear I know what I will always choose.
1: The door flap of the tent was pulled aside, and the aforementioned Uncle Julius entered the tent. Are you ready, nephew? Just a moment. Antonin leaned close to his father to plant a kiss on his forehead. As he leaned in, he whispered.
0: I can only be the man I am. I hope it's a man you're proud of.
1: After you, Uncle. Julius exited the tent. Antonin lingered just long enough to pick up a chainmail glove off of the table and hide it under his tunic before following his uncle. In the great hall of Castle Guernatal, Ardell Redmore was holding court over the evening meal. Around the table sat many of the principal players in his coup, including the threatened court philosopher and the bribed treasurer, as well as the usual collection of minor lords and sycophants. The high priest was nearly finished giving a pre-meal benediction, entirely oblivious to the fact that most had nearly completed their supper already servants, in the hope that it will be sustained, and that the elderly among us will pass it through the bowels in a painless and timely manner. So be it, by God. So be it, by God. God. The great doors of the hall swung open. So be it, by God. Antonin Mooncrest was followed closely by his uncle. Their appearance created somewhat of a shock around the court. The pair of Mooncrests strode purposefully to stand before Ardell. Lords Mooncrest, come to join us for supper? Afraid we have slightly more dire matters to discuss. How goes the search for my wife? I find myself
0: worrying greatly over her.
1: I appreciate your concern, Lord Antonin. We are of course doing everything in our power to find her, as I'm certain are you. I will not arrest until my sister is returned safely. Yes, of course. Anna and our houses would require no less from each other. Perhaps we could arrange a council early on the morrow to compare our findings thus far lest one miss something the other might see. Ardell glanced around the room, as if seeking an excuse, none came to mind. Yes, that will do fine, my
0: lord. Why not convene the council now? My lord? Nephew, it's only reasonable to allow some time to- This is my wife and your sister we're talking about. Why waste even a moment? But of course time is required
1: to... To devise a passable lie? A shocked murmur filled the hall. Nephew! Forgive his manners, my lords. He is deeply concerned about his wife. There is no information
0: forthcoming as Lord Redmore has. No desire for his sister to be found. He knows damn well what happened to her.
1: As he spoke, Antonin stepped closer and closer to Ardell, until by the last the two men were nose to nose. Julius was aghast, but could do nothing. There are very troubling insinuations behind your words, Lord Mooncrest. Such implications could get you in trouble.
0: I did not come here to imply anything. I came here to formally accuse you, Lord Redmore, in full view of the court.
1: Accuse me? Of what?
0: You spoke slanders and published libels about the late king, had him assassinated and usurped his throne, the highest seat in all the Orden. In your youth, you intentionally got your cousin and sister drunk out of their minds and convinced him to rape her. When they divulged this gruesome fact to others, you had your cousin killed, and I'm sure you've done some unspeakable evil to your sister, my wife, to keep her quiet as well.
1: Antonin looked around to the stunned faces of the court to make sure that all could hear him well. For all these crimes, and for an overall turpitude of character which does me
0: insult on general principle, I demand satisfaction. Mark
1: me, boy, and mark me well. Do not dare! With a solid thwack, the chainmail glove flew through the air and slapped Ardell across the face. For good measure, Antonin Mooncrest wound up and gave Ardell a second slap. Satisfaction, my lord. Will I have it? You will forgive this wood sprite for taking some amount of joy from the blood which streamed from a gash on Ardell's cheek. Must I add cowardice to the already staggering
0: catalogue of your vices? Oh, you shall have it. Superb. You have the choice of time and weapon.
1: I will await your word in my headquarters. Back in the tavern near Freehold, all involved were fairly inebriated. One of our new Armstrong guard friends held a four of hearts to his forehead. Advanced placement
0: fart appreciation, but the teacher's kinda hot.
1: Remedial transmutation. Bar-Lukir is lecturing, but Olaf's soft heart is grading. Sounds... like... four! Uh, (laughs) Ha! Bottoms up, you sorry sods! After the group took their appropriate libations, the deck was passed to Nelson. The boy drew an ace of spades to his forehead. Jen caught the boy's eye and gave a quick nod. Nelson considered his category for a moment before continuing. Libraries.
2: The one in New York with the lions. Oh yeah, I remember that one. From the movie with the groundhog. Balokia's Kia's personal
0: collection. <laughs> in the human realms, maybe. Nothing next to the archives and the temple of homes forgotten.
1: He's right. Children of men aren't even allowed in there.
0: Sounding like an ace. Of spades, dude.
1: Fucking motorhead. Metal ass fuck. At this, The two boys from Pennsylvania made a strange occult symbol with their hands and shook their heads violently up and down. I can only presume they were very briefly possessed. Although it did seem to pass soon enough. I want food. Anyone else want food?
2: Oh my god, yes, right now.
1: Kitchen's been closed nearly an hour. Don't worry, I'll find us something. Billy stood up with a good deal of purpose and considerably less stability and walked off in a random direction. Quite chivalrous, that one. Hmm, built like an ox.
2: That he is.
1: Not overly clever, though. Jen grimaced at the insult, but managed to convert it quickly enough into a smile. After a second of willpower, the smile turned alluring.
2: Do you guys think you're clever?
1: I have moments of
0: inspiration.
2: Hmm. And uh, what inspires men like you?
0: Girls like you.
2: Like me? I inspire you? What do I inspire you to do?
0: will not you come over here and find out?
1: I'm not sure how Billy would feel about that. Who's the idiot? Again, the smile strayed towards a grimace before reining back in.
2: To be fair, I haven't seen any of you being as clever as you say you are. What do you say, Nelson? What test of wits would prove them worthy of the Maiden's favors?
1: She's the maiden.
2: Now, now, mind your manners.
1: Ugh,
0: crass. Do any of you have any idea what's in those secret archives we're talking about?
2: <gasps> Very good, Nelson. I think that's an excellent test of wits indeed.
1: Fionn here claims to have read one, <laughs> but only when he's good and tanked. <laughs> I made no such claims. I said I glanced at a page. Well, what did that page say? I don't think that's mine to disclose. Uh, tell her, you fucking braggart. I don't want to.
0: God damn me, Bjorn. If you aren't the most selfish son of a whore I've ever met, this is why we can't ever have anything
2: nice. Ah, it's okay.
1: Jen dipped her finger into the foam of her beer and then licked her finger clean.
2: You don't need to be shy.
1: This gesture seemed to have an effect on the first traveler but none at all on Bjorn. Apparently, it had an unintended consequence on Nelson as well.
0: May I be excused from the table?
1: Ah, you're howling at the wrong hound with Bjorn here, selfish twat. Sticks and stones, Martin. Aye, sticks and stones indeed. (laughs) Say, where's that farm boy-looking friend of yours? Sudden realisation crossed Jen's face and she immediately removed her finger from her mouth. She looked towards the hallway, which Billy had wandered through. Down said hallway, Billy had just found an open door. Being slightly inebriated, Billy chose to simply enter and announce himself. Hello? The room appeared empty. Billy walked in and looked around to be certain. He saw the typical collections of personal effects that one might leave in an inn bedroom. Also, he found a small barrel labelled salt beef. The lid of the barrel was open, which Billy took as an invitation. In many great tales, there is a point where, by a stroke of pure luck, the hero of the story happens to uncover a nefarious plot just before calamity would have otherwise befallen them. The hero thus averts the calamity and saves the day. Billy was no such hero. Instead, he stuffed a handful of salted beef into his mouth and as much as he could hold into his various pockets and fists. His search accomplished, he strode out of the room and back towards the main room of the inn. Had he been even slightly more diligent, or slightly less drunk, he may have noticed on the bed in the room with the salted beef. Was a pile of 20 sided dice, similar in design to the ones Nelson wore around his neck. Also, he might have noticed a pile of night black robes, similar in design to those worn by the Templars of Discord. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. New episodes are released every other Sunday. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madera, and directed by Christian Madera. It is performed by...
2: Rhiannon Angel.
1: Garrett Arman. Dan Dobransky.
2: Lily Drexler. Anya Gibeon.
1: Ian Harkins. All Notice. Frank Quares.
2: Julie Reed.
1: Gregory M. Schultz. It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly. Alex Storey is an associate producer. The Once and Future Nerd is recorded by Brian Forbes at the Gallery Recording Studio in Brooklyn, New York, with additional audio engineering by Sam Palumbo. Foley sound design and mixing is done by Sandra Ramirez. This episode was edited by Josh Perot. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. for downloading